Do you find yourself running out of time to accomplish your work? Are you spending time doing things that you're not that good at? There are effective ways to outsource these tasks so you can focus on your business. This is the Virtual Success Show. We bring the inside scoop on outsourcing success for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. And now, here are your hosts, Matt Malouf and Barbara Turley. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Virtual Success Show, where I'm joined by my fantastic co-host, Matt. Hey Matt, how's it going? Good, Barb, and yourself? I'm well, I'm well. I'm really, really looking forward to today's show because I love when we have a guest on. So as all the listeners know, we tend to try and find guests that are running large virtual teams so that we can actually get that sort of inside scoop from them on how we actually can get more success with this and what the benefits of it actually are. So today's guest, I'm really happy to welcome Kevin Garber, who is the CEO and co-founder of a fantastic tool called Manage Flitter, which I am currently trialing at the moment. And we'll get into what that is in just a second. And he's also the host of the It's a Monkey podcast, which talks all things tech, entrepreneurship, scalable business. Kevin, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for inviting me on. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. And I know, you know, we've talked before, you've got some great insights to share, uh, I guess, around the journey with virtual teams and, you know, the, the, the benefits, I guess, of global talent pools versus more local talent pools and all that sort of thing. So before we kick off into that, give us the, give us the Manage Flitter story. What is Manage Flitter and why should we, why should we care? So Manage Flitter is a set of uh, search, filtering, and sort tools that sits on top of your Twitter account, helps you work smarter and faster with Twitter. Um, so we have uh, paid uh, customers from over 100 countries, although the bulk are in the United States. And the, the bulk of our users are people that use social a lot. They use Twitter a lot. They use our product to clean up their account. They use our product to grow their account with the right followers to search for people tweeting about certain topics and to easily follow them in a in a compliant way that keeps Twitter happy and keeps your account in, in good shape. And so it's a nice set of tools for people that use Twitter a lot. And uh, we've been around since 2010. The tool was actually built internally first for uh, myself. So I discovered Twitter on a trip to San Francisco I can't remember if it was 2008 or 2009 and I started using Twitter quite a lot and my account started getting cluttered with accounts that uh, stopped tweeting or they were fake accounts and uh, I was struggling to clean up my account properly and find the right people to follow. And I asked, um, I had a small digital agency at the time. I was lucky enough to, to have an incredible engineer working with me who landed up being the co-founder of Managed Flitter. And uh, this, this will lead into our chat about the importance of team, Barbara. But um, yeah. he, he developed a prototype um, of this product. I started using it. I loved it. We released it to the world. At that stage, it was all the rage to build products on top of the Twitter API. This was in 2010, a very different world to today where uh, the social media companies are clamping down and closing APIs and enforcing strong limits. In those days, Twitter was saying, we've got this great open platform. We've got this great API. Come and build. Come and build. We'll support you. And, you know, famous products like TweetDeck, for example, came out of that phase and was actually a private product that Twitter then bought. And, of course, TweetDeck is a very uh, important part of Twitter these days. And we released it um, 
to the Twitter ecosystem, people started using Managed Flutter, using our product. They started using it in ways which we didn't even predict, which was very, very interesting and a great lesson in trying to get it out there to your market so you can get feedback because they'll start using your product in ways that, uh, that you didn't even uh, anticipate. In 2011, we launched a paid version of that product and we kept on growing and uh, we were very lucky that our customers did marketing on our behalf, which is an absolute... Oh, the holy grail. <laughs> the holy grail where people were tweeting about us, blogging about us, YouTubing about us. Even today, if you go to YouTube and you type in Manage Flutter or Grow Your Twitter Account, we'll pop up there. People would put together hour-long YouTube videos, you know, that we didn't even know who these people were and we weren't paying them and they weren't even affiliates a lot of the time. And so it was it was a wonderful, wonderful journey. James... Um, you know, you brought him on as co-founder. We subsequently sold the digital agency to focus on managed Flutter. And uh, we grew out the team. We've, we haven't taken funding to date. So we're still a small team. We're only about 15, um, going slowly and surely. And um, we're still around in, in 2018, still trying to make the product better, still dealing with all the ups and downs of the tech world, of team challenges, of technical challenges, of industry moving um, dealing with all the ups and downs and here we are. Wow. So I know, you know, I, I, you and I have talked about the team challenges already and obviously that's what we really want to dive into here. Um, so talk to me about those early days. You had the digital agency and then at what stage when you made the, the, the switch over to manage Flitter full-time and you stopped the agency, was it just you and the co-founder still or what was the No, team? we had, we had grown. I mean, we had, grown to a few developers and some of the agency people um, had multiple roles as in they would spend 50% of the time in the agency and 50% of the time in the product. So it wasn't just myself and the co-founder at that stage. It was a few more, um, mainly developers, mainly there were another, you know, two, three developers working with him um, and myself working on product and customer service and things like that. And we had a customer service person we brought on in the US actually and were they all were they all virtual? Were you and the co-founder in the same place? Yeah, myself and the co-founder James were in Sydney. Um, the developers at that stage were in Sydney. We subsequently brought on one developer in South Africa. We brought on support in the United States. Um, so, you know, one one advantage of a small business um, where you you can be more creative about how you build your team. And I think a real, a real um, quality that small business owners and startup uh, owners should develop is an eye for finding a rough diamond that maybe other companies will not employ for a, a variety of reasons. Maybe they don't have the right pedigree. Maybe um, you know, their communication skills aren't up to scratch or English is their second language or maybe they want to work from home. Or maybe, but they might be exceptional talent. And as a, a startup that's that's an advantage to look for those people that have slipped between the cracks. And we've been quite successful in finding these these rough diamonds that have landed up uh, being brilliant. Yeah, like and a lot of thinking, yeah. That's interesting. And a lot of people are not willing to take the risk on that. But I think actually I've taken risks like that as well in my business and it has really paid off. Yeah, and I and, and I think a lot of people also don't want to work for big corporates and they don't want to work for governments and they they do want to work for smaller companies as well. But I was thinking before I got on the show, I was just doing a bit of a sort of run through in my head of, of uh, you know, thoughts to share. And, and the one thought that just keeps on popping on in my head is a lot of 
you know, these concepts of building a remote team and leading your team and, and in the right way and finding the right people really comes down to one thing. And it's, it's been said a million times and it's such a cliche, but it is just so important to remember the impact that team is everything. The quality of your team is everything. Just like in your personal life, the quality of your own relationships is everything. The quality of your, your, your friends and, and your partner and, and your relationships with your family, everything. It's the same thing with your team. The quality of your team determines so much. In fact, it determines everything. And that's why the big companies land up paying all sorts of crazy numbers and doing all sorts of things to just, just hang on to the right people and whatever you can do. Dynamic as well. I mean, the team dynamic is, is everything actually. So if you've got a lot of people that don't like each other on, on the team, doesn't matter what their skills are like, it'll be a disaster. Absolutely. And that's why, you know, that's why if you're a small business and you a startup and you can't have the fancy office and you can't, don't worry about it. You know, most people see through the gimmicks, you know, the gimmicks are nice to have if everything else is there, but what people really want is to work with good people and nice people and people that, uh, you know, support each other and collaborate. What they're doing together. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Sorry, Kevin, I've got a question. So with such a, a broad spread team, how do you, keep everyone connected and working as a team? So currently our team's about 15 at the moment. In Sydney, um, full-time permanent, we've only got three, including myself. Uh, We've got one person in the Northern Rivers. Um, We've got then developers spread out all over the world. And it's a question that we um, continually self-reflect on ourselves and try to get better on. Development team members uh, tend that type of work uh, we find lends itself to remote work quite well. Other roles we're still working hard at getting it right. We have we have weekly um, um, sort of all hands meetings, and we alternate the time every week so that people can at least join in all hands because they all in different time zones. People can at least join in all hands once every two weeks. Um, we try the the sort of two to three sort of seeing more senior person people. We try to rotate through one on ones constantly with the team um, to make sure that, that that you know I never want someone to just feel like they're just a resource and they're just delivering work. Um, but it's still still a work in progress. We're going to experiment with virtual water cooler type sessions. We've got a Slack channel called Random where we post all sorts of images and photos and we have chats on the, on there and um, we I have micro catch-ups in different parts of the world with the team and the aim is to do what a lot of full remote teams have is once a year or twice a year have a full team catch-up at a co-located uh, venue. Um, the An actual live, a live catch-up you mean like all connect live? Yes yes wow. face-to-face we, we'll go you know we'll go to meet somewhere in Bali or Thailand or Singapore or something. And, uh, and, I think, and I think that's really a good, to me, I think that's a really good model when you can have a little bit of face-to-face time, even for a couple of weeks or a week, and then work remote. That really consolidates that working relationship in a huge, amount, in a huge way. To me, that's the sweet spot um, of, of, of the remote type of distributed team. Do you know what I'm noticing though, as you're speaking, I think a really key point I'm picking up from this, the level of commitment that you have as the business owner, the founder, 
to the team communication and making sure that it works. Like you're leading that, making sure that like you're bending over backwards, literally to make sure that the team connects in the right way as much as possible that suits people and doesn't make people feel like they're just a resource. Well, part of probably what uh, my team would tell you is that one of the things that I'm always banging on about is to keep the communication complete, keep it thorough, keep it relevant, keep it timely, keep it organized, make sure you're threading chats and Slack and things aren't just going on all over the place, keeping discussions out of email. If we are to make this distributed remote team um, situation work, we, we all have to be committed to um, getting this communication aspect right because it's all we got right you don't have the bumping into each other in the, and landing up going for a coffee and sorting out some issue we, we have to be have intent behind it so yes you have to be really committed um, to this journey but to be honest Barbara in our industry um, you know part of a big part of the reason why we've gone for a distributed team is we've actually been forced to you know we're based in Sydney and, and the war for talent here is extreme and I will not compromise on the quality of talent um, at all. And uh, we, we need to open up to consider talent from everywhere because Sydney is, is just, the, the supply is just not there. It's just not there. Matt, I'm interested in your thoughts just on this communication thing and this commitment, like the level of commitment, Kevin, that honestly that you're demonstrating to this, like how do you, Matt, you would even see it in businesses that are brick and mortar businesses where all the team is together, where there still isn't that commitment to communication coming together, et cetera. And it just, it's fundamental to the success of any of these things, whether it's virtual or not. Absolutely. I, I mean, I was only doing a presentation to a company yesterday and uh, they commonly, will they believe their communication is good, but it's so vague that it's open up, it opens up a can of worms every time someone's asking something of somebody else. And I think that, um, you know, what, what Kevin was saying there, you know, ensuring that it's, you know, really um, specific and, you know, um, almost over-communicating in some ways to ensure that the job can get done, I think is, is really, really important. Um, but I, I, I think too often people aren't thinking enough about their communication and take... Um, yeah, almost take it for um, for granted that people will just understand what I what I'm thinking. Yeah, there's. A, yeah. I mean, Kevin, are you finding? Do you ever find that assumption, assumptions um, creep in sometimes? Because you said like about this concept of making the commu- making sure the communication is complete. So I want to delve into that a bit further. Like, is that like the eradication of assumptions and actually being? overly obvious to make sure everything's closed out properly? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very important point. And it's, I, I even say to the team, if you feel that you're making an assumption, if you think, oh, I'm not sure how this works, but it probably works that way, stop, stop, right? Just try and identify assumptions because that's when problems come in, come in yeah. and ask. And, and, you know, even saying something on Slack, there was a, a case earlier this week where one of the team members said, um, you know, there's this and this issue um, between the developers and, and, you know, the customers are seeing it this way. I think they have a drop. And I said, who is they? The customers or the developers? Oh, you know, and I yeah, just, that's, yeah, yeah, being clear in your communication. Being clear, it is, it is critical. And it's so easy when you're in your head not to be clear. And simple techniques like always rereading your message 
And, and, um, yeah, because somebody, you know, even, like if you hadn't asked that question, you might've assumed they meant the customer and he might've oh, it happens. The developers. It, yeah, it happens. And we've got another layer, by the way, uh, Barbara and man, we've got another layer in that, um, uh, there's time zones. So there's asynchronous communication happening. And we've got another layer on top of that. We're actually our entire development team, even our tech lead, Marcelo, who's in Sydney, our second language, English. Now, they're all very, very smart people and their English levels vary from almost native to um, not as good. But these are all factors that really come into play. So it's, it's, it's very important when an industry where one simple miscommunication can actually lead down a whole different path and it, at, the, at the best just waste time and at the worst cause a significant uh, commercial problem. How do you train new people? Sorry, Matt. Sorry. I just, this is an interesting one for me because if you've got a new person joining that ecosystem, how do you train and how long does it take you to train a new person into that thinking and how that process works? Again, a a great question because onboarding is, is crucial. I mean, it's crucial to get the sweet spot right of onboarding them in a way that works for the business, but also onboarding them in a way that they start getting confident about their own skills and are confident that they made the right choice. And remember, again, especially with the tech team, um, they're dealing with multiple job offers. Any, any decent tech person anywhere in the world is dealing with multiple job offers. So you actually, if you actually get it wrong in the first week or two, um, they actually probably got a very warm offer that they can slip out to quite quickly. So you want to onboard in a way that they can see how organized you are, how smart the team is, give them um, projects that aren't overwhelming but are already quite challenging. But from the communication perspective, I mean, immediately as they hop into Slack, they can see um, our rigorous communication, our well-organized channels, the the banter. They can get onboarded quite – you get the tone of the the culture quite quickly. But I think onboarding a lot of not just – providing um, a scope of a project and leaving them. A lot of chats checking in, even um, with the developers, even though I don't work directly with them. Um, I'll, the first couple of weeks, I'll be pinging them regularly and asking them how's it going, what are they working on, making them seen, um, heard and seen, and like they've joined a part of something. I mean, as you said, there's got to be commitment. And I think most CEOs do you have commitment and understanding around this? But I think to take the, the distributed uh, approach of having a distributed team, you, you certainly do need the next level of commitment. Yeah. Matt, what were you um, going to say there? Yeah, no. So um, can we, uh, are there rules around communication within the team? Like when something should be written versus having a, a, a chat to somebody like um, audio or versus video? Do you have rules around communication? So... There's a few where we've got a Slack channel called Daily Updates and everyone has to post into that channel at least once a day, preferably twice a day with anything from a big picture view of what they're working on or what they're going to work on or some detailed aspects of something that they're working on, right? So that way there's an ambient type of communication, a sense of what everyone in the company is working on. And that's totally cross-functional, developers, content marketers, support. Um, and that's, that's, in a way, the heartbeat of, of holding the team together and gives us a sense that we're all working on the same thing. Um, video conferencing is a big part. 
of what we do, any small catch-up or large stand-up, um, we include faces. Besides that, there aren't really any, any hard and fast rules, so to speak, uh, more, so, more so just guidelines. I think, I think back to the point of commitment as well, though, Barbara, I mean, a lot of the team members, um, they also committed to making the distributor team work, which is very important. Um, you know, some of them have really want to work remote. They either want to be a digital nomad or they want to not live in a big city or not have a commute or not deal with the office politics. Um, so, uh, you know, I've got commitment, with that, but a lot of, you know, the team also has commitment in, in meeting it halfway. And that's also very much needed. I think there'd be certain team members where really do want to be in an office and don't want to be part of a distributed uh, remote team. A follow-on question, actually, for me. Just, I, I just love what you shared, by the way, and I'm totally stealing that idea. That it's like a, it's mm-hmm. like a daily huddle, but it's done in the Slack channel. Because I often get asked by clients, I'm sure you do as well, Matt. That how do I run a daily huddle with a virtual team? But you've just explained there how you can actually sort of a version of that by everyone sharing what they're working on in this Slack channel. I'm totally stealing that. Um, my other one, and so the question has slipped out of my head, but I was thinking. Um, yeah, it's gone out of my head. I had a great question to ask you. Matt, have you anything to interject with? Um, I, I, I guess um, one question I've got written down here, Kevin, is um, how are you so- going about sourcing your people? Uh, is there any particular um, you know, channel or um, group or and the like that you're using in order to source your people? So I've tried everything over the years. Um, on the developer side of things, on the engineer side of things, there are websites that um, specialize in jobs for remote workers, people looking for remote work. And um, we've had some success with that. There's some recruiters popping up that specialize in technical remote teams. Connections, um, you know, people that I've met at conferences and meetups and even just socially that have landed up working. For you, I mean, I think as CEO, you know, one of the top five tasks that you have is is just to always be thinking about your team and building your team and and uh, risk management around your team and when when team members leave, there's no there's no one um, sort of solution. I, I get comforted when I when I hear people like Atlassian um, have the same challenges. Sometimes as a small startup, you think, oh, it's just because we're small and marginal, but it's, it's the war for talent is that serious. So we have to, we, I, I, I leave nothing off the table in uh, building, building the, right, the right team. How do you, just with that building, you know, the war for talent, how do you incentivize uh, without sort of overpaying and constantly getting into that merry-go-round of just financial upping the salaries and things like that. Is there any other things that you think retain people? Uh, that we so I think, I mean, I think when there's a good fit and the basics are in place, i.e., you know, market rate, I, I do think overpaying people actually causes more of a problem than... Yeah, it does on the VA side as well. We were just talking about this earlier. You know, it's kind of unintended consequences that cascade across an industry when you do yeah, that. At, and, and not only that, you don't, I mean, do you really want someone that's only in the job for the money? You yeah. don't. It's not good for anyone. So obviously the basics of paying market rates um, is, is important. 
But in terms of beyond that, um, you know, I, I really think people, you know, to me, I always like coming back to first principles with everything in life. And, and, you know, what do people want? They all want to wake up and do work that makes them feel fulfilled and satisfied with people that they like and they like to learn and, and move a bit forward and, you know, be able to feed themselves and their family at the end of the day. And so I like to keep an eye on the fact that the, that the team's fulfilled, they're learning and growing. I think one of the challenges with a, with a smaller business is that sometimes people can grow very, very fast and they can actually outgrow the business. And, you, you know, it has frustrated me in the past that I don't have the right role for the person. You know, it's not only about having the right people on the bus, it's having the right seat for them on that bus. Um, and that can be a challenge where sometimes there'll be a developer that's, that's not as good as uh, on the technical side of things, but they'd be great on the product side of things and we just don't quite have a product role for them. Um, so just getting, getting the basics right, um, talking with them, reading between the lines, but it's difficult, you know, when a, when a good team member leaves or transitions out, it's, uh, it, it can it can really feel um, you can sometimes take it personally and a lot of self-reflection on, uh, on what I, you've I done know. wrong. It's actually good for me to hear this too, because I'm thinking, oh, wow. So it's not just my business that suffers all the same stuff. So I think any listeners as well, I think it's just any industry, any, doesn't matter what you're doing, you know, business requires people and, you know, working with people is challenging in some ways, but very rewarding in others. Yeah. And it's, and, and people do sometimes leave for, you know, different reasons, but I, I, I do, I do think that, um, you know, one, one, which would be interesting for you guys and your listeners, one, you know, we recently had a new tech lead join. And one of the things he asked everyone in one of the Slack channels was, I want you to list three things that you love about working here and three things that you don't. And the top uh, elements across the board of what people loved working for us was the flexibility right so i think in you know your 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 what you can offer in terms of having a distributed team in that flexibility is so valuable you know i think the corporate 9 to 5 i can see why it evolves and i can see why it's you know it's needed and it's there but at the end of the day who who really wants less flexibility over more flexibility. And sometimes just a little flexibility makes the whole difference. Sometimes being able to work from a cafe every morning for two hours just makes you feel a little bit more human than having to be that, have that rigidity. I think it's an opportunity that a lot of businesses are not capitalizing a lot is having the faith to give your team a little bit of flexibility to time shift a little bit, to location shift a little bit, to maybe choose their own projects. But that was easily number one in terms of what they were loving working with us was that they had flexibility um, to to do their thing in their own way. Kevin, I just want to say uh, a big thanks. Um, your insights today have been amazing and I hope for our listeners you really do um, take a lot from this. Um, and if nothing else, just um, Kevin's emphasis around communication. And I really think that um, irrespective of whether you're running a, a virtual team or a, a, you know, a local team, the communication piece is vitally, vitally important. Um, Matt, I'd, I'd just like to add quickly that around that communication, I've got this theory that we all are communicating a lot less than we think we are, whether it's in business or in a personal life. 
I, we are all think we might be communicating thoroughly, but it's actually probably 30% less than we actually are in reality. So up it all the time. Absolutely. Yeah, committing to it. Listen, Kevin, thank you so much. And for all the listeners, like, uh, you know, we echo this stuff all the time. So I know there's so many lessons and learnings in, in this um, interview with Kevin today. Make sure that you, you know, share the show, give us a rating and a review on iTunes if you can. It helps us to get the show out to way more people. And hopefully by the next show, my voice will be back. It's starting to really fail me now. Um, so and, thanks, Kevin. And I'd just like to say, if, if people yeah. want to contact me, they just follow me on Twitter or LinkedIn. And I'm always happy to answer questions or even hop yes. on a quick call. It's um, and feel free. You're, you're very free kind to reach out. You're very kind. I have to say, even from my perspective, you've been very kind with your time. And of course, try the Manage Flitter tool because we've been testing it out the last week or so and it's really an awesome tool. So get on there, Manage Flitter and, and try it out. So Kevin, thank you. Matt, thank you, everyone. Yes, thank you, Kevin. And Thanks. Appreciate your time and the invite, folks. Till next time. Thank you for listening to the Virtual Success Show. If you found this show helpful, take a moment to share it with a friend so that we can all grow together. Find out more about the inside scoop on outsourcing success by going to our website, virtualsuccessshow.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.